Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special kind of anniversary episode of the Screen Heroes podcast, your TV and film podcast on the Heroes podcast network. I am Derek, one of your three regular hosts, and I have my other two lovely hosts with me, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. Hi. And we are here this week recording right now our 200th episode. So... Congratulations, guys! We made it to the to the big two hundred, uh, which is it's crazy to think that we've been doing it this long. Uh, for perspective, it's it's just over sixteen hundred days since we started the show and released our first episode back in December. It's, it's just another reason why COVID sucks so much because I was planning on making us a big two hundred cake just for the Aww. three of us, but. No, right? I'm really mad. I wasn't mad yeah. before, but <laughs> you are now. That's right. Yeah, that's that is unfortunate, and uh, you know it, it is a shame. We we've done this face to face, you know, almost every episode, um, with very very few exceptions. I, I think over 190 of these 200 have been face to face since we started in December of 2015, which feels like forever ago. Um, and it is a little sad, but I'm glad that we have webcams and we can see each other. I can see your wonderful faces. Um, and we can talk our, our stuff, our movies and, and things like that. And uh, basically what we're doing with this episode is taking kind of a sequel approach to our very, very first episode. So if you travel all the way back in time to episode one, we did an episode called MCU The Good with the Bad where we talked about the state of the Marvel Cinematic Universe before Captain America Civil War came out. That's how long ago that was. Um, and, you know, Daredevil was still young. Jessica Jones had just come out, um, you know, and that that's kind of where the state of things were at the time. And the show was a little bit different. We didn't do a news segment back then. We, we do that now. And it was in person, right? We didn't live stream it. We live stream the show today. We're actually live streaming right now on Facebook and our Facebook group, the screen heroes, Facebook group. So you can join us uh, every Tuesday night at 9 PM Eastern eight central as we record our episodes. And uh, we're just going to kind of take a look back at, at the MCU, but we're going to start with some news. So let's, let's do that. Uh, let's, let's start with news. 
Um, lots of stuff actually happened today. You know, our, our news segment has been fairly light recently because of, of course, the, the pandemic and lots of organizations have put projects on hold. There's lots um, of, um, you know, movie productions that, that are no longer moving forward right now and TV shows are having to rewrite season finales and things like that. So we have a lot to talk about actually mm-hmm. today. So let's... Let's get to it. Um, I want to get one right off the bat here, and that's just the streaming service content. So um, HBO, uh, which is owned by Warner Brothers, has uh, had a streaming service for a long time, but they are launching a new one called HBO Max, which is going to incorporate HBO along with new Warner Brothers content like Friends, for example, um, a upcoming Justice League Dark TV show, the um, announced Green Lantern TV show. There's got new Looney Tunes, and uh, they uh, basically announced some details for that program. Uh, it is launching in May of, of this year. I'm just going to pull up. I lost a my article here. Um, it will launch with the new Looney Tunes cartoon, which is pretty cool. And it debuts on May 27th, 2020. They're calling it, of course, HBO Max, um, which, you know, that's fine. What, whatever. Uh, there's not a whole lot else that I'm super excited about. There's a like Sesame street talk show that they're doing. Uh, the not too late show with Elmo, I guess is, is what, what they're calling it. Um, is there any original content guys that you've seen them talk about that gets you excited for this streaming service? So not me personally, but they dropped a trailer for their Perry Mason reboot today. And like a ton of people said, it's a really good trailer. So I'm one, I'm just flabbergasted that this world is rebooting Perry Mason of all things. And two, <laughs> that people enjoy it. Like what is happening? But you know, go off, whatever. Whatever, yeah. The Justice League Dark Show could go either way for me. JJ Abrams has had good content, he's had questionable content and a lot of lens flares. So you know, I, I I love that team. It'd be great to see them, but I'm hesitant. Yeah, Justice League Dark is the one I'm excited for, too. It's, uh, yeah, I'm not so much worried I, as long as J.J. Abrams isn't, like, the director or writer. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they give it to somebody else that's a little more capable of that kind of uh, specific genre of content. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's my number one. I kind of just want them to bring... Swamp Thing back from the DC universe, the same Swamp Thing over to uh, to uh, HBO Max, which is possible since they have shows that are premiering on both platforms. So, yeah, that that's where things get really confusing, right? Um, the Doom Patrol season two of Doom Patrol, when that finally comes out, will dual release on DC Universe and HBO Max, uh, which is strange. And Star Girl is dual releasing on D on. Um, uh, DC Universe and the CW, I think. So it's it's very confusing about how they're breaking that stuff up. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before. I'll be shocked if the DC Universe streaming service is still a thing at the end of 2020. Um, I imagine they're going to want to fold that all in to, to the HBO Max. I don't know why you wouldn't. So I think it, there's a good opportunity for them to, to bring back that Swamp Thing. Um, Justice League Dark sounds cool. I'm, I'm with you on that ryan i I don't really want abrams involved much uh i'm i'm hoping that he's kind of just it's his production company and he's working on other things 
the Green Lantern show that they announced a while back would be something I'd be excited about if I really had confidence that it was ever going to see the light of day, you know, cause that green lantern core movie that's coming out this year. Right. Right. Yeah. Nothing's coming out this year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. But let's not pretend it was going to come out this year. Like COVID's what threw it off. You know, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of movies that can blame delays on COVID green lantern core is not one of them. I think you have to have a cast and crew to start on a movie. So that might be the, first problem i mean yeah. you're getting really technical there ryan i don't know you're getting in the <laughs> weeds <true>. i think <laughs> um okay so other stuff um this also kind of you know confuses things a bit so the muppets and the fraggles i was under the impression that disney owned the rights to these characters but there is a brand new fraggle rock show that is releasing on apple tv plus now, Ryan, you're kind of the puppet expert of the podcast. D- does Disney not own the rights to the Fraggles? Correct. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of confusion around what Disney owns and what they don't. A lot of people think Disney owns the Henson Company, and they do not own the Henson Company. Um, Disney bought Muppets and Bear in a Big Blue House at the same time from Henson Company. But other than that, Henson Company still owns all their original properties. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, it's a little weird. It would have done better on Disney Plus, I think, a Fraggle show would. But, I mean, uh, yeah, they, it, it's it's completely within the legal standards that they they uh, they own Fraggle, so they can do whatever they want with it and release it to whatever streaming service they want. Fair enough. Well, so it's available now. It's called Fraggle Rock Rock On, um, which took me a second. I thought I was just reading the word twice. Only it's filmed a... on iPhones, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Apple TV Plus is a weird thing. They're getting major A-list content. Obviously, the Fraggles are, are a decent IP as well. Uh, but these are being called mini episodes, and they're actually being provided for free. You don't have to pay for the four ninety nine service to get access to them, which, which is interesting. I haven't actually checked out Apple TV plus, uh, since it initially launched without support for any of the streaming devices that I normally use. But, um, you know, Chris Evans hasn't, uh, has something that was coming out on, on that, that looked really good as well. So maybe I'll have to take, take a peek. I don't know. Any other thoughts on, on the fraggles? I know Rachel's a big fraggle fan, so I'm sure she has some input. I am. I absolutely adore the Fraggles. I'd be really excited to see the puppetry again and uh, maybe an expanded cast. It always kind of bummed me out. There were only five Fraggles, so maybe more. But uh, truth be told, I have no interest getting Apple TV. If uh, the stuff gets released to Blu-ray or DVD, I'll, I'll buy it then. But so far, nothing really on Apple has convinced me i need yet another streaming service that that is fair all right well then moving on um so another movie is going straight to video on demand which uh and this one's kind of a a bigger one as well so the new scooby-doo film the animated film scoob uh, which is a warner brothers property is gonna hit vod on may 15th uh which is pretty cool you uh there's no way I'm reading. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm reading this right or not. I'm not entirely sure. I'm checking, I'm checking out the data from coming soon.net 
And it says here that it'll be $19.99 to rent or $24.99 to buy, uh, which seems like a very close price point mm-hmm. for people. Uh, and the rental period is only for 48 hours, which is that's pretty standard for, for rentals. Um, this is kind of a, a cool looking movie that I thought the trailer looked really good. The animation's very cool. Uh, it's got a pretty decent cast with Zac, uh, Zac Efron playing Fred, uh, Amanda Seyfried as Daphne, Will Forte as, as Shaggy, um, and Gina Rodriguez as Velma. Uh, Tracy Morgan is in there as as well as uh, Frank Welker. So uh, pretty cool cast, voice cast of people. Um, for 20 bucks, I don't know if I'm going to rent it, but I do want to see it. I have zero interest in it. So, <laughs> you know, you... you uh... The cast sounds good. I'm just not a big Scooby-Doo fan. Ray, any thoughts? Not really. I I don't really care about the cast. Like, I really enjoyed the 2000s movies with Matthew Lillard and mm-hmm. Linda Cardellini. Uh, as silly as they were, I thought they were a lot of fun. So, you know, I just didn't want to see them recast, but no big deal. Uh, Scooby for a new generation. I wouldn't pay that money to rent. I don't know why people are charging so much to rent. It makes me miss Blockbuster. <laughs> like, do you know how to do this properly? Yeah, I mean, I get that it's also very, you know, these are instead of theater releases, and that's a unique thing. But yeah, 20 bu- especially when it's only 25 to buy it. I mean, if you have kids, why you're just going to spend the extra five bucks so they can watch it over and over again, right? For sure. I'd rather yeah. own it at that point. Um, so that's that's a little odd. Um, okay, so we've got only really two more pieces of news left. Uh, this next one really is more for Ryan than anybody, and that's the announcement of One Punch Man getting a live-action film from Sony. <laughs> How excited are you? I'm very excited, but also, you know, for, as with any property that you really care about, you know, I'm a little, I don't know, suspect. It's a weird, I, it's not something that I would say would be good in a film format nearly as much as it is in the, like the anime or like a TV show format. It's been going on a long time. The the uh, manga has, and it's, a, you know, it's a lot of story there. And to try and condense one of those stories down into uh, an hour and a half or two hour movie seems, seems a little, I don't know. That seems tough, but I'm, I like the property. I'm a very big fan and uh, I'm curious to see who they cast the Saitama. Um, <laughs> Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt. Oh. No, I'm voting for John Cena because he can really, <laughs> he can do the stupid look at like the really dumb face, you know, but and he can not... also be really ripped and big. Yeah. But he, I mean, most of the time though, he doesn't walk around looking really big. You That's know? true. That's right? true. But I mean, how are they going to find an actor that's like, super uh, uh, it, the the anime is not something that you could pull off in real life you can't have the suit like get magically tight and show muscles when all of a sudden he's serious but then look like it's a oversized potato sack when he's getting groceries you know what i mean it, it i mean with the right director i think you could do it i guess if they get edgar right to do it then then i well, you know be on board but yeah i don't know it's a weird property to, to adapt to a live action film but i excited for it for sure ray any thoughts uh small ones i think it has potential to create the same issue uh death note did 
on on Netflix, the the Death Note adaptation, um, casting Americans in these things and still or calling, Avatar, yeah, and still calling them you know Japanese names doesn't work, man. It looks really bad, and it it just moving the setting and it it's never that great so it's true like the only anime character that pops into mind that they could really get away with that is all might because he's mm-hmm. his whole thing is that like he's very americanized and mm-hmm. he, everything he does is named after american things but yeah one punch man would be a tough one to just cast a bunch of white american people yep that's fair. Maybe they maybe they shouldn't. You know, maybe maybe they should. You know, kind of go the the Mulan route and really try and and get people who fit the original versions of these characters as as best they can. You know? Well, I just don't understand why American movie companies need to adapt uh, Japanese cartoons. So many of them are profitable on their own and i know they're just trying to get a piece of it but it never seems to go very well like don't do it <laughs> yeah i mean but that's from a television perspective has been going on for years oh sure and movies know? and like we adapt their horror films every other day but those don't turn out too great either so <laughs> My point still is, stands. No, you're, you're right. I think a lot of it might have to do with, with budget, you know, and, and company size. You look at like the, the, the kaiju films, like the Godzilla franchise, you know, as, as many films as Toho has been able to produce and as beloved as they are, none of them were able to pull together the kind of budget that, you know, Kong Skull Island and Godzilla King of the Monsters was able to command. Um, but at least we got to see the monsters in the Japanese version. <laughs> they weren't covered in CGI clouds. That, that's true. Yes. That is, is that true. what it was like in Kong Skull Island? I didn't see it. Uh, no. no, that one's like mostly daytime, to be honest. Yeah. You see Kong very clearly. But Godzilla King of the Monsters, it was bad. Everybody's hidden in fog. And I'm like, you have four really powerful kaiju here. And it's just frustrating. That's an odd choice. Right? I, would, I, I, I think... You're being a little overly harsh on King of the Monsters. Look, you were saying you have a very similar problem the other day. All these movies have too much focus on humans. That's true. (laughs) And, like, you said, why do I care about Sam Witwicky when I just want to watch Optimus and Megatron fight each other? It's the same thing. You guys were watching the original Transformers? We were not. We were using that as an example. First off, that's not the original Transformers. Is it not? Well, you know what I mean. Of the newer ones. <laughs> no, it's just a really good example of like the humans taking precedent when yeah. the humans are the most boring parts of the film. Same thing with Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I just want to see Godzilla. It's fair. Uh, you're, you're right. That's fair. That's why I like Pacific Rim. And that's probably part of the reason why, why uh, it did so well was you got to see all these giant things fight giant things. And it was pretty clear, so mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. At least that's one of the reasons why I liked it. Oh yeah, yeah. fights during the day are a lot more fun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Birds of Prey was a lot more fun. That was the first time I've seen sunlight in Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was sunlight in Gotham. Right? I thought it was cloudy at best all the time. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a little weird at times. But um, okay, so the last piece of news then before we move on to Marvel is uh they've already announced that mandalorian season three that's the last piece of news whatever all right Uh, i'm sorry was there something else you wanted to cover yes oh please do 
how terrible the Venom sequel's title is. <laughs> I knew that was it. They might as well have called it Venom. Carnage is in this one, too. Because <laughs> it's, okay, if you haven't seen, it's officially titled Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which is the worst and least creative title I've ever seen for a superhero movie. It's horrible. Oh, okay. That's... <laughs> I, I didn't think it was that bad. Wow, really? Rachel, it's just me and you? It's pretty bad. It's That's pretty bad. hilarious. Like, there's... Last year, I ke- or no, two years ago, I kept joking over and over, and Derek thought it was ridiculous that I kept making this joke that Venom was the best comedy of 2017, or 2018, and Carnage seems like it's going to be the best comedy of 2021. Based on the title, you're probably right. I, I just... So bad. I just so don't think bad. it's a bad. T- I don't really think it's a bad title. I really don't. I mean, what would you have called it, Ryan? I would have called it anything other than that. Basically, I don't know. Venom Two Electric Boogaloo is my go-to. <laughs> but I mean, literally, that would have been a better title than what we got. Well, yeah, that would have been a ridiculously amazing title. I guess I just, I. It, I I nothing the title it's fine I don't I don't see a problem with it I I'm not saying it's brilliant or anything like that but I just don't I'm not like put off by it either okay I don't know I mean I I guess they just want want it to be front and center of what it is and that's what Venom was right Venom was a very unapologetic film like it or not and I guess they're going the same route with the sequel did you know that the lobster scene was tom hardy's idea as soon as he walked into that restaurant he was like i'm gonna get into the lobster tank and start eating them and they were like okay then we have to fill that with prop lobsters you cannot you cannot just do that with real lobsters no matter how method you want to be i mean maybe he was just trying to extend the scenes where you can see his face since his thing seems to be to always hide his face in films that's fair you know gotta take what he can get um, let there be carnage anything else on venom 2 that you'd like to, to no discuss? i think i got it all out of my you system i think i'm gonna remake the song rock lobster into prop lobster now there you go because that's all, right, all i'm talking. thinking about i've totally checked out and... prop lobster prop lobster <laughs> i like it oh man um if you still did clips that would be your clip that would lobster. be that would be my clip around the 23 minute mark i'll, I'll see if i can keep that in mind here all right. Well, anyway, Mandalorian season three already in production, meaning development. development. Meaning they're working at a script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Favreau, I'm sure, is working on on the plans for no, uh, the next season and all of that kind of stuff. They're obviously not filming or anything along. Do those we lines. know it had already been greenlit, or is it not greenlit? He just is writing the script and is trying to get it greenlit. That's kind of how I understood it right is basically that he's just decided to work on it and um i mean in this world of streaming you know greenlit versus not greenlit seems to be a little bit more confusing yeah you know um i i would imagine season two would have to be a colossal failure for them um not to i mean i think at this point they're good to just give john favreau whatever money he wants and let him do his thing yeah, I don't know why they didn't just give him like a five season deal or something like that. Well, so, okay. So oh. I will say there is a quote from Favreau or no, a quote from, no, this is an unnamed source. So who knows, but it actually says we've, we've just started pre-production and are looking into further adventures for the Mandalorian season three. Uh, so 
I mean, pre-production certainly sounds like it was greenlit, assuming that that unnamed source is accurate. Right. That's interesting. They're very confident. And of course, I mean, they have the right to be at this point. This first season was a huge hit and there's nothing saying with, I mean, we're bringing in Rosario Dawson for the second season. I mean, that's not just going to be a cameo. There's no way. Uh, Especially if she truly is playing Ahsoka. Yeah, you don't get an actress like that for a cameo, you know, as such a major character in the Star Wars lore. So I I think that they've got, you know, they, they can just bet on it. And I'm sure that they feel the same way. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's it for news then. That's all that I had to cover. Is there anything else you guys wanted to discuss? Prop I lobster. I think I'm good other than the prop lobster. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, then uh, we'll go ahead and we'll take a short break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about the MCU, the good with the bad, the sequel. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. And we are back to talk about our main topic, the MCU, the good with the bad, our sequel to our very first episode. Guys, I went back and listened to our very first episode. It actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Well, because that was only our first, that was our first episode after doing you know, 40 episodes together on a different podcast. So it's not that's like it was true. our first podcast episode ever. That's true. That's a we already had this amazing chemistry. <laughs> that's still true. alive and kicking today. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's palpable. I can is, feel it. Is it fair to say that neither of you listened to the episode as a refresher? So I didn't. <laughs> And it's kind of because every year I have to go back and re-listen to the episodes and you guys don't. So that's that's kind of the stand I took. It's hurtful. <laughs> I listened to 38 minutes of it. Did you really? I did, yeah. Oh, wow. Are we allowed to talk still about Civil War on this one? <laughs> <laughs> right. So the rules. So let's just talk rules real quick. So we had rules in the first episode. Oh, where why? We could, rules because are- I don't know. That was you. That was You did rule. the rules. And you only wanted us to talk about projects that already existed, things that had already been released. So that makes ev- sense. Everything prior to the Civil War film, the first season of Daredevil, the first season of Jessica Jones. Um, we couldn't talk about theories or or expectations or upcoming projects, even though we went on a couple of tangents. Um, um, well, we actually completely ignored the rule eventually. <laughs> and yeah, it was actually Derek that completely ignored the rule. And then I got pulled in whatever um (laughs) so this time here's the rule it has to be about the mcu in some tangible way okay so 
we we wanted to talk about what we thought was working well for the MCU versus what we thought wasn't working well for the MCU. And now we are, you know, we're past Civil War and we're past Infinity War and Endgame. The entire Netflix Defenders shows are all said and done. They've all finished and wrapped they up. They all left on cl- cliffhanger, cliffhangers and pretty, left us. Pretty big ones. Yeah. Uh, you know, Agents of Shield is wrapping up. Agent Carter was was canceled and closed down. Inhumans, there's a, we we actually mentioned Inhumans in the original episode. Yeah, but so we were talking about a movie because it was supposed to be a movie, and then it became a TV show that was canceled faster than anything I've ever watched. Um, and so you know, we've got Phase Four coming down the pipeline. Uh, Spider Man's in the MCU now, and. I thought, you know, we should look back and see what was working now, what isn't working now in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And Ray, since the original topic and the the creation of this podcast series was your your idea, this is your podcast, baby. Where would you like to start? Oh boy. Let's put all the pressure on Rachel out of nowhere. No, it's fine. I got this. Okay, so It's cuz you're I... professional, I know. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. I'm getting paid for this. Exactly. Uh, I don't want to start off completely negative, but I feel like the trends of the first and second phase continued into the third uh, to a certain degree. I do appreciate that in the third phase, they gave their directors a little bit more leeway. We got some cool movies uh, from Scott Derrickson and Taika Waititi and James Gunn. So we got to see some really cool new things on the screen instead of rehashes. But at the same time, we still have the problems of the villains are almost identical to the heroes and uh, usually are killed off without being really developed. Oh, I forgot Ryan Coogler. Yeah, he did a great job, too. Um, and I, I think there are a lot of nitpicky issues that... I could sit here and pull apart with uh, Infinity War and Endgame if I wanted to. That's that's fair. I mean, you know, I, I do agree that I think Phase 3 definitely saw a lot more freedom in what the directors were allowed to bring stylistically. You know, I think um, nothing really shows that more than uh, Thor Ragnarok. You know, because some of that just really goes in a completely different direction than than Marvel really let people go, especially in phase two. Um, you know, it, it is not a perfect franchise by by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, when we started this podcast, you know, and we had two phases and the biggest film that they had done, you know, was was Age of Ultron. That was a pretty big undertaking. You know, what they were able to accomplish with just that set set of heroes and phase three basically saw them continuously introducing new characters upon new characters with new sidekicks to bring us to that, the end game film. And we did an episode where we, we talked about 67 potential heroes that could show up in the end game film. Uh, I think we were a little off on some of those guesses since it, we were you know. so off, <laughs> but I think that what they were able to pull off and, you know, the, the, Ru- the Russo brothers and their ability to bring in the other directors uh, for Infinity War and Endgame, I think, is a huge part of that. 
but the end cap that they were able to put on the Infinity Saga, I think, still impresses me quite a bit. Um, it is not a end game's not a perfect film. Uh, I have a lot of problems with Infinity War, but I'm still very impressed with what they were able to pull off. I don't know, Ryan. Thoughts? Well, I think going back to uh, what Rachel was originally talking about, not to deviate so far away as Derek did, um, <laughs> the the problems that I had early on were, uh, and maybe it was somewhat happened somewhere in between, you know, now and when we talked about this on episode one, but uh, there was a lot of sameness between all the film, all the films up until phase three, and even through some of them through phase three. Um, you know, you got the exact same formula for every film and it was working. So, I mean, I understand why Disney would do that, but, um, you know, eventually it starts to get so formulaic that it's not really that exciting anymore. And, uh, that's, that was a pretty big negative and it, it almost got to be an overwhelming negative at certain points. Cause we had talked about it and other pot, other, you know, later topics, but, uh, yeah, they really kind of dialed back on that when, you know, I think we're all hoping that with uh you know thor love and thunder and some of the other the doctor strange sequel uh with sam raimi um that they are continuing to let those reins out a little bit and let the directors kind of run with it and uh you know i think that's been a really positive change for the mcu and and uh i hope they continue to go further with that no i agree with you i mean because if, if you look at phase three which starts with civil war you know and ends with far from home um, most of those films do have villains with a pretty different power set from their hero. Um, it's a little complicated because there's a lot of team up v- films involved in that, but Black Panther and Captain Marvel are really the only two that follow that older formula, at least from my perspective. Well, I mean, I'm not necessarily talking about villains of the same power set as the heroes being the criteria. I'm no. talking about the plot formula. And I mean, like the villains dying, how many of the phase three villains died? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's still a very big problem that that the MCU has. Um, you know, it was a problem they've had the entire time with really Loki, and um, I guess that's. I mean, who else has really survived? I mean, if we're talking full MCU. Fisk is still alive. Well, okay, yeah, I wasn't thinking Defenders. Yeah, that's fair. I, um, I mean, that's is there's there's got to be more than that is still alive. Well, you've got well, Baron um, Zemo, I guess, is still alive, but he wasn't a great villain in that movie. So mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like a lot of side villains or side characters who could become villains are still alive, but a lot of those main characters they're all pretty much wiped out. Um, I, mean, I guess I guess Vulture's still alive from Homecoming, right? Mysterio's probably alive. Maybe we don't really know. Yeah, I mean, he was shot plenty of times. A bunch of times, yeah. Well, but we don't do we know because like it's this whole the whole thing is deception, right? Like that's the that's the whole that's his shtick, you know. Lots of things we saw looked real for a minute. I mean, Thunderbolt Ross is kind of a villain, and he's you know, yeah, he's more of like a side character villainy kind of guy throughout the the MCU versus a straight up villain for one movie or anything. Yeah, so Mordo is supposed to be a huge part of Doctor Strange 2. Mm-hmm. Dormammu obviously didn't die. And then going all the way back, you know, Abomination is still technically 
alive and around. They haven't killed him on or off screen. And I know a few directors have been interested in bringing him back. He was mentioned in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too, or at least alluded to. I don't know if he was name dropped, but Dormammu, like, I'm done. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't say I'm done with him, but the first Doctor Strange really soured me on what they're going to do with that character in the yeah in the MCU, so I'd be fine if they just let him go. The way, like, it was really creative that it wasn't a big fight, but at the same time, Dormammu is incredibly powerful, and you had him just kind of sit there and rage quit so it's a it's a great it was a great fight for a comic book Mm -hmm. like like reading that would have been good but it just didn't translate good well at all to the movie it was not fun to watch that's fair i I forget about abomination you know because hulk's been so kind of pushed to the side as far as his own films are concerned and i i wonder how they would handle abomination returning now because Hulk is, you know, the smart Hulk now, and his arm is permanently damaged. And there, you know, I guess they could have a new Hulkbuster suit that somebody uses, you know, like Rhodey or whatever. Um, but he couldn't really be like a main antagonist to Hulk. Maybe, maybe on a She-Hulk show. They've been talking about the She-Hulk show for for Disney Plus. That might be a good place to bring him back. Yeah, yeah I agree. That'd be cool. Absolutely. That would be great. I would love to see them come back because, you know, we all kind of forget about the Hulk sometimes, that movie, and parts of it were really good. So I don't think it should be completely left out. Just, you know, leaving Edward Norton out is pretty fantastic for me. The guy's a huge ass. No, that's, we that's had a big fair. discussion about this on our on the episode when we listened about uh, Edward Norton and the fact that I actually enjoyed that movie and that you guys were not as big of fans of it as I was. Oh no, I I really liked the movie, especially when I saw it. But uh, Edward Norton just as a person, I dislike. <laughs> so that's all. That that film is consists consistently in my bottom three of the MCU. So I, I was know. not I was not a fan. But, I've been uh, there when you ranked it once or twice. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I think I think one area that we we certainly don't focus on as much um, in the MCU is the shows, and that the way Marvel has handled television is probably the biggest, at least from from my perspective, the biggest glaring issue with the MCU as a whole. Um, we had the ABC shows, Agents of Shield. Uh, and, and Agent Carter. There was the attempt at Inhumans. Of course, we had the Netflix series, all those Defenders shows. Um, they all kind of existed in the MCU MCU timeline, but not really. And there was even talk about whether or not they were canon, even though they referenced like the attack on New York or the incident in New York. Um, and I think that was a huge missed opportunity for them, the way they have handled it. My hope here is that with Disney Plus, these upcoming shows you know, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, that these are going to get Marvel kind of on track with how to handle television. Um, But what do you guys think about where that lands as far as their issues? So basically, I am just really concerned that there's so much content that with the Disney Plus shows coming in, they're basically going to drop all of the Netflix, the Freeform, the ABC shows, 
completely out of their canon because it's just it's side stuff it's tangents it's it's not important to the main story that they're building and i think that's hugely unfair when agents of shield was wonderful the netflix stuff was absolutely incredible and uh you know that's that means we're forgetting a lot of peggy carter's background so i think that's disappointing it starts to get confusing too right like uh agents of shield is in their newest season they they've gone back in time and peggy carter is going to be in agents of shield as is some of the actors from agent carter which would make agent carter canon yeah. but then also yeah but they've said that those shows are not really canon but then they have the actor that played jarvis in agent carter in mm -hmm. Endgame. so like where it's just extremely confusing is it canon is it not canon because you're using the same actors and you're crossing over with all these things i mean it, yeah. it, it seems like since the beginning with agents of shield like they were really really marketing it as this is the mcu on tv and it all ties in well then like i don't know season two it started to like get a little further and further away and by season five they are like they've created a different timeline and like they've gone done crazy space shit that some of the movies haven't even done as anything as crazy and i mean they've had villains that were nearly thanos level villains and you know if this was existing in the mcu then wouldn't the real the, the avengers show up like i don't know the whole thing is super confusing and i don't know where where those lines are anymore it's a complicated conversation. You know, canon comes up a lot in, in modern fandom. And, you know, I, I'm okay with there being lines drawn and some things are canon and some things are not canon. But it, it gets complicated when you say, well, it's kind of canon. Well, it can't be kind of canon. Like, is it canon or is it not? And I'm wondering if they are, they're handling the, the, older, the older shows, if those were being handled kind of like, the comic books or, or video games or novels are in Star Trek, which is, well, you can consider it canon unless it gets contradicted by something. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's kind of the way they play it as well. That Star Trek novel could be canon because nothing's ever contradicted what's in it. Okay. But that's not the same thing. Right. And I think, you know, to, to your point that, that Disney plus is the opportunity for them to kind of get back on track, but there is that concern of, is there too much content? having the Defenders shows as their own little pocket and having Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and, and Agent Carter as its own little pocket has the disadvantage of feeling disconnected, but also has the advantage of, well, you can watch it and nothing else, or you can watch everything else and not that. Whereas like WandaVision, we're being told that WandaVision will be paramount to Doctor Strange 2. Mm -hmm. And I personally you know, sure. I'm going to watch WandaVision because I, I'm a super nerd when it comes to this stuff, but I don't know that it's fair or a good idea to expect the general audience to sit down for an eight hour TV show to prep for a two hour movie. I don't think fair or good idea is what Disney is thinking about. They're just seeing the dollar signs and clearly people are willing to pay for Disney plus. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, when the Mandalorian every episode that came out that's all that was on social media was spoilers and talking about the mandalorian so i don't think they care about fair so much as they care about making money and this is a good way to do that 
And truth be told, this is something that we've all been clamoring, saying that we wanted was more attention to the TV shows. So we're getting our wish, but it does come double-edged. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's a difference between having stories that are connected to each other and having something kind of be a requirement, right? And I guess we don't really know the extent, right, This uh, that, that WandaVision will play in Doctor Strange too, but it's a big ask because not everyone wants to pay for Disney Plus and not everyone can sit down for an eight-hour TV show um, or even wants to. And I think that's where things get complicated is mm-hmm. if I have to do an eight-hour assignment for a two-hour thing, is that going to make people happy? Because I think the problem – I think the answer could have been just, well, don't make it tied that closely to the films. You know, you, Sure, you want to have Doctor Strange show up. That's perfectly fine. But why does it have to tie directly into Doctor Strange too? So uh, kind of tangential, um, is Doctor Strange 2 sounding a little bloated to you guys as well? If you know they're bringing in Nightmare and Mordo – and Wanda, I just feel like that's so many pieces that they're trying to connect and it it could have, you know, the Batman too many villains equals bat nipples kind of thing. <laughs> Are you saying that Doctor Strange is going to have nipples on his costume? Yeah, yes. that would be so great. That's what I've been asking for this whole time. Um, <laughs> you do love nipples. I mean, look, I, I think I think you're right. I think it, it does sound like that's a real possibility. I, I think that the, it's happening because they expect Benedict Cumberbatch and the Doctor Strange character to take over the you know Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark role in the MCU, and it's an easy personality, you know, uh, to to compare because they're very similar characters from that standpoint, from just a personality standpoint and a tone standpoint. So I, I think they're just banking on that. And using him as the springboard. Now, maybe it isn't as bloated as it sounds. Maybe Wanda doesn't play a large role in Doctor Strange, but something that happens in WandaVision impacts the film of Doctor Strange, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do we know that she's in the film? Has that been confirmed? Yes, that was confirmed at SDCC last year. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly a lot, but again, like, we complain that Thor, the dark world, nobody shows up to help him, you know, when London's being destroyed. And I think maybe they've listened to that feedback and we're at a point now where these heroes can't be on their own because it doesn't make sense for them to be on their own. Right. And they're going to be forced to have buddies show up in these films to keep the universe feeling cohesive. You know, especially if like the lesson, the big lesson in, in Infinity War and Endgame is that teamwork, right? The idea that Tony and Cap weren't really together and that's why they lost kind of thing. Uh, I think if, if that's the lesson to be learned, then everyone's always going to want to try and team up and try to work together. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think that's <laughs> probably right. Um, so... Okay, so let's let's talk about other positive things about the MCU. What what are some things that you think that they've really pulled off that either surprised you in a positive way or something that maybe you thought just wasn't even, you know, in the realm of possibility? Well, um I got to say going with the Eternals 
is a bold move. They are fairly unknown. They don't have a ton of really great uh, storylines out there. They're very old school uh, Jack Kirby kind of stuff. So I... Uh, I know them basically from the Neil Gaiman run in like 2005, and it was a great story. I never thought I'd see it on the big screen. I think that's what they're going to go with. So I, I'm impressed that they're taking the same steps they did with uh, Guardians and reaching into their huge bag of properties to just do something different. And the Eternals are exactly what they sound like. You could have them be in any time, you know, 10,000 years ago or 10,000 years in the future. They are truly eternal beings. It's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. Ryan, what about you? I think I'd like to go back to uh, something that you brought up on the first episode that we're redoing right now, Derek, and that is you were really worried that in the upcoming Avengers movies that the, there were going to be a lot of squabbles on set and that the chemistry wasn't going to be there between actors. Do you think that that actually happened or do you, do you think that chemistry all worked out better than you hoped? It absolutely worked out better than I hoped. Um, these actors, at least the majority of them seem to have really become friends and, um, are sad when uh, some of them have left the projects or have even been hesitant to leave because of those relationships. Um, it's, it's kind of amazing. And I mean, look, it's, it's 11 years, it's 23 films. Uh, but a lot of these characters have, you know, taken on these roles in a way that just isn't normally done. Um, and I, I am pleasantly surprised with how well the casting has gone. I think there were some real opportunities to, to do for, for poor casting to, to show through. And it just, it hasn't really happened. It's true. They've gotten very lucky with the, uh, with the quality and you know, of people and how well they've gotten along. It's definitely worked out for the positive for the MCU. I feel like at this point, there's probably, it, this may sound silly, but I know a ton of people put silly things in contracts, but there may be like a quote unquote friendship clause to a certain degree. Like you don't have to be besties with them, but they have a really good vibe and it, it would be very upsetting if one bad person got put in the mix and ruined that. I think yeah. that hasn't happened yet. And that, that I think that's kind of what I assumed would happen at this point is that just somebody would have a bad day and blow up, you know, because it's happened with other actors, you know, and it would cause a divide where there would be a split among these people. And it just it never happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it can't still happen. We have a whole new phase ahead of us. Right. And lots of newer characters. Um, but the fact that it didn't happen over the course of the Infinity Saga, I think is a, just a really impressive thing. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, the only other cast I can think of that is just as large as probably the Game of Thrones cast. And it wasn't completely common for there to be squabbles, but there were a couple actors that refused to talk to each other on set that would have stand-ins if they needed to do a scene together. So I'm just really glad we haven't seen that at all in the MCU and they continue to want to do publicity together. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think really the only bad blood that that we see is really in phase two. And, you know, it was uh, like Natalie Portman not wanting to come back after um, her experience in Thor The Dark World or uh, Edgar Wright leaving Ant-Man. And it was that kind of phase two pressure of everything feeling very locked in, very little freedom um, to, to be creative. And the I think the lessons that they learned from that helped course correct and salvage what what might have ended up going in a very bad direction. I mean, phase one saw a little of it too. Terrence Howard was very bitter and blamed Ryan, uh, Robert Downey for him being fired or replaced, however you want to call it, um, for a, a year or two. And then Edward Norton still kind of seems to have a chip on his shoulder. But, That's true. You know, That's a good point. There were, of course, going to be falling outs, but the fact that they've only had four or five at this point after 23 movies is pretty impressive. That's true. That's fair. So let's, let's kind of talk about just, you know, the, the infinity saga, the way it was wrapped up and, and things of that nature. Um, what are, what are some things that you think they could have done better in wrapping up infinity war and Endgame? Maybe some things that you wish they had done instead or, or differently. I'm still bitter about Black Widow being killed off. It it feels like I'm not saying that Hawkeye should have, but I do think that him sacrificing himself just to see his family live once again would have been beautiful. But with her movie coming out at the end of this year, and the her movie, like, nobody was informed that they were killing her off. And then that scene that seems to be controversial, where all the women just kind of stand in frame for less than five seconds, uh, it, it felt sad. You know, it felt sad that Black Widow wasn't there when she was the first female super hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus tax day is coming oh no but if you sign up for Robinhood gold's ira with a three percent match you can get up to 195 dollars for the 2023 tax year oh yeah sign up at robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market subscription fees apply Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. For hero in this uh, whole series. So I was a little bummed. I'm more than a little bummed about that. I, I think it was a disservice to her character. Yeah, I think the big regret is, like, why did it take so long to release Black Widow's film? Why wouldn't you have put it before infinity war and endgame so that you could have had more character development before that and it would have made her death more impactful than it was Mm -hmm. absolutely like it it should have been either um the second or third movie in phase two 
or the movie right after Civil War, it, especially if that's where it's going to take place. Doing it now seems, like I've said a million times, too little, too late. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's also the, the way her death is even handled in the in the film. You know, there's the funeral at the end for Tony and there's nothing for her. Uh, there's nothing for Vision. And, you know, they easily could have done a joint funeral and had portraits up and things like that. And so she dies and she's not, uh, you know, completely forgotten. There's a, there's a little bit in there, uh, like, you know, Hulk throwing the bench or whatever. But you know, the big funeral moment that's very emotional is just for Tony. And I don't want to like limit his character's sacrifice, but you know, they, they all died trying to protect the stones and trying to stop Thanos. And just because Tony's was maybe a little more epic, <laughs> doesn't make it any more important. To be fair, if they had a funeral for vision for black widow and for Tony, there would have been three funerals in this movie. And that's probably even if and if they had combined them, and people would be like, "Oh, what Black Widow wasn't important enough to get her own funeral?" You know, it well, was kind of a no-win situation. I think that no, I think I think doing one joint funeral would have been fine. It's just saying these are the people that were fallen during the battle for Thanos, and mm-hmm. I think anybody who wants to have a problem with individuals from that not getting their own is just kind of looking for something to be mad about. Because they're a team. They're supposed to be a team that work together. You know, Vision has the line about we don't trade lives. And, you know, Widow and Tony both sacrifice themselves willingly. Um, And I think that those characters would have been okay with that. I think the team would have been okay with that. And it's when you pull out just the one guy and, you know, celebrate his life or or recognize his loss um, and not anybody else. It's just it's just kind of sad. That's all. How do you guys feel about the time travel in Endgame? Because I keep seeing people say that they're a little upset that even the directors can't really explain it very well. The time travel doesn't work correctly in in Endgame. Okay, I love time travel films. I love time travel stories. And what's important to me is that time travel works consistently within that narrative. It doesn't have to be consistent with anybody else's narrative, right? You've got Terminator, you've got Back to the Future, you've got Star Trek. They can all work differently, and that's fine. But I need that story's time travel to be consistent within itself, and it's just not in Endgame. I can ignore it for the most part because the movie has some of... in my opinion, some of the greatest cinematic moments I've ever seen. Um, but it is a problem. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's not consistent, but it didn't really bother me then. It still doesn't really bother me. I'm, I'm willing and able to overlook it for everything else that the movie got right. And, you know, it, it shouldn't have gotten right, but it did. It had the odds stacked against it in terms of uh, whether it would actually be a good film. We all knew it was going to make, you know, billions of dollars but um whether it would actually be good or enjoyable and uh it was good and was enjoyable so i'll overlook the little you know continuity issues and things like that mm-hmm. yeah absolutely okay, that's fair so um what let's let's look on the positive side of it then um you know we, we talk about uh, you know, some of the things that, that it didn't do well, but it did accomplish something pretty crazy. I don't I don't know that any of us ever really felt confident that they were going to be able to pull off the endgame finale the way they did. 
is there a particular moment or something from the film that really sold you on like crap they actually pulled it off well i mean for me it's always going to be cap and basically everything related to cap he's you know been one of my favorite characters for a long time and mcu kind of cemented that even more but uh you know particularly the fight with thanos and him standing up basically alone at the you know at one point uh against thanos's entire army that single shot with him against the whole army i mean that was more character development in that one moment or more character confirmation you know it was it was just a beautiful moment and seeing him wield mjolnir i mean all everything about that for me was just it gave it gives me chills thinking about it and, and in the theater it was you know breathtaking and uh emotional and all the things that you want it to be yeah, I agree. I think uh, one of Endgame's biggest strong points is the fact that it leaned in to some fan service at times. Seeing Cap wield the hammer, seeing Scarlet Witch nearly kill Thanos just on her own, seeing Captain Marvel shoot from the sky right through his ship. Like, we got to see some of these characters at their most powerful and i i was thoroughly excited about all that the the end scene might have been a little cluster and i know a ton of people have pointed out just mistakes in the background but i thought it was a lot of fun yeah i mean the movie that's where it all culminates right is that big mm-hmm. final fight and there's absolutely some fan servicey moments and that's it's used as a derogatory term most of the time but I don't. I don't know that it that it, it always should be a, a negative term. We 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 are the fans, and we go to these movies because we want to see these characters and these events and these visuals and these stories in front of us. And seeing some of these moments, whether it was you know Cap standing against the entire army, or uh, you know all the all of the 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 women Avengers standing together, or the 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 childlike responses that Peter Parker had during like a, an entire this war that's happening uh, are, are really fun moments. They're good moments. And, um, you know, for me, it's probably the, uh, it's right after what Ryan's talking about, right. When cap standing by himself, right. And the, over the, over the speaker system, the, uh, the headset, is, you know, it's coming in the, on your left. Right. Um, oh yeah. Falcon getting to say that is just wonderful. It's so good. And of course that's fan service. How's that not fan service, but how is it also not one of like the greatest moments in that film? And then, you know, strange opens up all the portals and you see so many faces again. And, um, it's great. I I can't believe they actually pulled it off. I really still, I'm still surprised a year later. Right. I do. I want to piggyback that, you know, we've often used the term fan service as derogatory. And, you know, most of the time it is kind of a bad thing. Fans don't always know what they want. And in the end, I would rather have an amazing story over a couple of kitschy comic book moments. But I think this uh, this movie proves that you can have a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, so, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, the end of the infinity saga and what's kind of coming after it. Um, 
are there any other moments from earlier on in the the franchise that you you think still really shine above you know some of the later stuff even any any moments from the first or second phase that you think are still really remarkable i mean you know i i like the original captain america movie i know you guys don't um well, don't yeah. don't as much <laughs> I, I mean it's consistently it's consistently in your guys uh lower half i think of uh mcu movies rankings um but uh you know i really liked hugo weaving's uh portrayal of red skull and uh it, my one regret for the later movies what i mean ross marquand was great but um bringing him back to play a bigger role would have been something that I really wanted because he was great. He was terrifying. Um, and, you know, using Nazis as bad guys is always a hit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really like in the, the original Captain America movie, I loved specifically the scenes where he was like a propaganda machine, essentially. Um, and just like in the comic accurate classic suit, uh, that looks like it was made of felt, and he was just being—he uh, was just being transported from camp to camp to try and uh, sell war bonds and things like that. Um, I thought that was really great, and they did a lot of really good things in that movie that I think are underrated. Yeah, I I'm with you on that. Um, I definitely prefer Winter Soldier over First Avenger because I feel like it's a. Uh, it, it was the first time they stepped out into a new genre of film with kind of a spy Jason Bourne kind of thing. But Iron Man, the first one, still stands out as a brilliant film. I've gone back to that many times. CGI holds up, which is not always the same for some of the other films. And the story is fantastic. Uh, it's still incredibly badass to watch him fire that missile and walk away before it even hits. Uh, the only thing that I would say is I wish that they got the Mandarin consistency down at some point, but we're st we still don't have that. <laughs> Maybe yeah. one day. Oh, Shang-Chi is supposed to fix that. Right, exactly. Right. And I am excited for that. But, you know, I'll I'll be excited when I see it. Um, Ray actually took one of mine, which is that, that shot in the first Iron Man where he wa he shoots the little missile and then walks away and the Suck tank it. explodes. So it's just it's, – it's still an amazing shot, you know. It still looks incredible um, 11, 12 years later. And, um, you know, there's, there's a few other moments, of course, that I, I think really stand out. It's, this one is fan service. It's cheesy as hell. And I, I don't care. And it's, it's the spin around shot from the first Avengers film when they're all down the street and some of them should be there and other ones maybe shouldn't, you know, cause you got like widow who's just like reloading her, her little handgun, right. While, you know, Iron Man flies in. Um, but it's a wonderful shot. And I thought it was a really good moment for them to showcase what they had just accomplished because you know we talk about how how much of a feat endgame was um but the first avengers film was a feat within itself you know a company that had been going you know basically bankrupt before iron man came out and them having to use these what back then were lower grade characters you know because they had sold off everybody else and 
being able to showcase what they were able to put together is still just a wonderful moment for me. Um, that one still just stands really tall. And that's why that, that movie I think will always stay high up on my list. You know, we talk about ranking these movies and Ryan's right. I mean, the first Avenger is usually right in the middle for me. It's not in the bottom half. It's usually just right in the middle um, at, you know, number, number 12, number 13, um, uh, number 11, I guess. But uh, you know, the, the first Avengers film is usually in my top five and it's still, it's still in my top five. Will that change? Uh, anything's possible, but for now it's still, it still sits up there. So what about phase two? What are some moments that still stand out to you guys from there? Um, you know, age of Ultron is that rare movie that I like more every time I see it. Um, that just gets better with each viewing. And the, this, obviously the scene that always stands out to me is where vision picks up the hammer, not knowing what it is or its significance and everybody else just freezes. Cause you had that scene earlier, of course, that sets it all up where they all try and lift it. And, uh, you know, cap moves it slightly. And we argued about this, you know, we, we debated this about whether or not cap could really move it. And he stops himself because he doesn't want to, uh, to hurt Thor's ego. And then that's bookended later in Endgame. Ultron just has so many great things in it. Um, that I, I think it's an underrated gem in the MCU. I mean, I've consistently said that, mm-hmm. um, that I thought it was better than the first Avengers movie. So I think Derek just needs to watch it a couple more times and then it'll probably be <laughs> ahead of it. Um, you know, obviously, the obvious answer is Captain America Winter Soldier. Obviously, I'm a Cap fan, but just everybody in general uh, has that in their top. I mean, for many people, it's number one, but pretty consistently in the top three uh, MCU movies. Um you know, very impressive and kind of out of the blue. I don't know if anybody expected it to be as good as it was, uh, even out of the superhero context. It was amazing. Um, had some of the best fight scenes in the MCU. Um, it just kind of tore apart the entire framework of everything we've known about the MCU up until that point, including the TV show, because they completely dismantled S.H.I.E.L.D. essentially and Winter Soldier and the whole basis of the tv show that was on at the time and is still on was that it was shield agents of shield like it it i mean i feel bad for those writers that had to work with that after that happened um but yeah i mean and and, you know you also got guardians which was great had one of the best soundtracks of maybe the best soundtrack of any film in the mcu um ant-man was a nice small scale escape from the rest of the mcu Uh, lots of gems really yeah, other than uh, Thor the Dark World in in Phase 2. I completely agree with all that. I was going to touch on a couple uh, spots. Uh, one of my favorite things in Age of Ultron is uh, just a quick little moment when Cap and Tony are talking outside at Hawkeye's farm and he just rips the log in half. Like, you... You constantly, like, I forget how strong he is if he's not fighting. And then they throw in these little moments where it's, he could easily whoop anybody's ass around him. Speaking then, of that point. Yeah. Uh, that, that was something that film did really well, but I don't think it gets as much credit for as it should, is setting up uh, every almost every other movie that came after it um and and, you know you you talk look at iron man 2 and that was basically the prequel to avengers 
and it was done really poorly in terms of like you know the way it was handled but avengers age of ultron really handled it well and and it set up nearly every pivotal moment of every film to come after it i mean it was it, it and that scene that you're talking about was one of those you know it was setting up civil war mm-hmm. um so anyway yeah, no, next point i just want to find really important to bring point. that up well i was gonna also touch on winter soldier again because uh finally somebody the russo directors knew how to display cap's abilities without mimicking anybody else in this film he did not move like black widow or thor or iron man he moved like captain america and you could see um his character come through even in the fight scenes in the very beginning when he's fighting against batrock he sees that um batrock is at a slight disadvantage so he takes off his helmet and he puts the shield on his back instead of using it and he just fights him with his hands and feet like he would somebody else and i thought that was really impressive the uh just setting up his character was so well done in winter soldier that i i feel like has stayed with us a lot longer than what we had in first avengers and the first avenger (laughs) yeah you you you, that scene specifically was really great because i think that's the first time we really see cap other than the random cameo in thor the dark world since the avengers movie right Mm -hmm. so i mean you that basically set up how far he's come in terms of his training his tactical uh you know training and his martial arts training and everything yeah that scene was a really really well done scene it gets kind of overshadowed by some of the other great scenes in that movie but it really did a good job without like just outright writing it in front of you in crayon to show you that this is he's really grown as a hero and as a character yeah and i will always be a defender of the black widow hulk romance that Whedon threw in there. Um, Whedon is a big supporter of romantic feelings and he in all of his shows he develops relationships as best he can. Since he wasn't the end-all be-all director of these movies, he had to work with what he got and you know, Ruffalo and Johansson had some really good chemistry. There was nothing else going on with their characters like, you know, Iron Man had uh, Pepper and Thor had Jane and Cap had Peggy. You know, this one doesn't step on anybody else's story toes to be uh, kind of specific. And the fact that it was just dropped and never really mentioned again was a little unfortunate. I would have liked a little moment in Infinity War where they kind of just talked it out. But quick aside, you know, Infinity War was already so busy, it didn't need to take up a ton of time. But I I thought it was cute and it makes sense to me. People find workplace romances all the time. Yeah, I I think just the way Hulk's handled after Age of Ultron is just kind of hit or miss, you know? So are you saying you didn't like his um, addition in Ragnarok? So that's why I said hit or miss. I think that there's a lot of aspects to him in Ragnarok that are wonderful, 
but kind of just the direction that the character ends up taking in infinity war. I just think just, it, it wasn't good and just felt like a way to save money rather than a good character decision. Yes. You know, and it's, it's an unfortunate, I, I think it set his character back. And then by the time you see him in Endgame and he's the smart Hulk and you've missed this whole thing. And I'm like, well, what, what happened? So like, how did they reconcile this? Like, what, what did that look like? And, um, because yeah, that would it, have been an interesting story to see. Yeah. And I just think it's 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 the unfortunate consequence of them being tight on money in Infinity War and not fully owning the character rights so they can't just do a solo film. You know, um, I think that's definitely part of the problem. But, you know, I'm with you. It's 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 a sad thing from that relationship standpoint. I feel like both those characters kind of got the raw deal by the end of the saga. You know, he's he's uh permanently injured and we lose all of that story there and she's dead and it's just kind of a mess mm-hmm. Agreed. yeah um so what else guys is there anything else you want to touch on in the infinity saga the mcu the good and the bad <laughs> the sequel <laughs> before we wrap things up um, I think we should talk a little bit about what's to come, the future. What movie are you guys looking forward to the most? Um, probably Doctor Strange too, just because I kind of like that kind of the, the 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 craziness, the absurdity of what his abilities can do visually speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, that probably has me the most interested. Uh, How about know, Ryan? I, I don't know. Um, probably Shang Chi for me. I I'm I was really excited when they announced Iron Fist to get a really cool like Western or Western Eastern style of film making, like you know the wide shots, less cuts, things like that that are really traditional in martial arts cinema. Um, and we didn't really get that, and so I'm kind of hoping that uh, Shang Chi goes that route and really leans heavily on. Uh, older martial arts films and uh scratches that itch and you know you get to see it plus we get an asian you know superhero finally mm-hmm. um so anyway yeah martial arts is really cool and i'm really excited to see how they make that like, like into a superhero essentially uh versus everybody because cap knows martial arts you know a lot of people know martial arts so it'll be interesting I gotta say, I'm looking forward to Eternals, because it's gonna be cool, and it, it'll be another, like, Asgard kind of uh, Guardians thing. We're gonna be in space, and there'll be magic superpowers, and it'll it'll just be kind of wacky and out of this world. Uh, what TV show are you guys looking forward to? WandaVision. Yeah. Same. At this point, um, I do I do want to change my answer to the previous question to to Thor: Love and Thunder. I don't know why that just blanked in my head that that was a thing, but that that would be the one I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, it's really tough to pick a favorite. Doctor right. Strange too. You got Sam Raimi, Thor: Love and Thunder. We all love the director for that. You know, I mean, there's a lot coming. And the trailers really for cool. Black Widow look really interesting. The fight scenes they have her do, and what they're doing with Florence Pugh and Rachel Weisz look really fun too. So. Yeah, I I think Phase Four is going to be good. Well, the, my my problem with Black Widow is that it looks fantastic and the cast is good, and I'm really like that's right in my wheelhouse of of the kind of film that I'm looking that I would look forward to. 
but because it's a prequel for a character they've already killed off, I just feel so like burned by that the whole concept, and it it's kind of soured how I feel about it. it sucks. That's fair. So Ryan, to a TV show you're most interested or looking forward uh, to? I mean, probably WandaVision. It's uh, definitely WandaVision. It's although I am looking forward to Agents of Shield season seven um that should be coming out i think next month it starts um but you know they agent carter era is kind of my favorite you know one of my favorite film eras and so it'll be cool to see how they handle that and you know how they tie it all together and hopefully they can wrap it up to make sense in the actual main mcu timeline but you know yeah i i'm probably looking forward to wandavision a little more than that but i am looking forward to that too Sounds good. Right. Uh yeah, definitely one division. It's gonna be wacky as all hell. It, it should be completely crazy and I'm excited for that. I Winter Soldier and Falcon look really cool. I am kind of anticipating what they're gonna do with Zemo and US Agent. And then Loki in the Time Police sounds like it's going to be a mix of Torchwood and Legends of Tomorrow. So that could be pretty interesting as well. But yeah, WandaVision's high up there. Cool, cool. Anything else, guys? No, we've been talking for a while now. I know. All right. Well, then I guess we can wrap things up. Um of course, we're we're always going to continue to talk about the MCU. We'll discuss every, you know the movies and the shows as they come out. We talk DC as well. If you've never listened to the show before, uh, we we cover TV and film with a nerdy slant. Um, next week, we're actually going to be celebrating the 15th anniversary of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy film, uh, which I'm really excited about. It's one of my personal favorites. Uh, the week after that, we return to bad movie reviews with Surf Ninjas. Uh, bad movie reviews is a fun little segment that we do where we pick bad movies to talk about. You of course can find us at screen heroes pod on Twitter at heroes podcasts on Facebook or heroes Please join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash screen heroes and talk about movies and TV with us every day. It is a good time. We also live stream the show in that group so you can join us for that on tuesday nights you can find ryan at buster props on twitter you can find ray at siren ray and i am at the star trek dude you can also find me on red shirts and runabouts the star trek podcast here on the heroes podcast network we are screen heroes we are on the hpn thank you for joining us we'll be back next week we love you 3000